This is Maxime from the future, here to give you a breakdown of this week's Warriors huddle. From about the 30 second mark until the hour mark, Bram's mic sounds like sh**. Bram's responsible for his own mic during the quarantine, so there wasn't much I could do. We'll figure this out and get better, I promise. But for now, thanks for listening, and go Dubs. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You're Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual, my producer, Marcus. What's up, Dub Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? Boys, I am fired up to announce rejoining us, the former Golden State beat writer, sports director, and editor for sfbay.ca, where she covered all things Warriors for more than three years, the new Utah Jazz beat writer for the Deseret News, and someone who may or may not be close to completely losing her mind during this quarantine, Miss Sarah Time. What's going on, Sarah? How's it going, guys? How are you enjoying isolation? Hi. I'm hanging in there. I don't know if I'm enjoying it or hating it quite as much as you are. And here's where the hell that introduction came from. Boys, you may not have heard this. Uh, here's a tweet from Sarah just last night. Quote, this week is the fight club of weeks. There are no rules, and all of us are going to come out of this a little crazy if we make it. Let me go ahead and read that last part again. If we make it. So have a drink and remember that it's okay to talk to yourself. Let me start that over. Sarah, how are you doing? I mean, we finding you okay. I mean, like, are you over there? Like, I mean, God knows. I don't know if you're, like, mainlining vodka or something. I don't know what's up. I like you so much. I just wanted to check in, make sure we're good. Yeah, the... The uh, the impetus of that tweet was I had a, a friend who's also in quarantine text me at like, I don't know, 10 a.m., something like that. And they said, is it too early to drink? And it was while I was pouring myself a drink. And I was like, this is Fight Club. There are no rules. <laughs> and so I... Uh, yeah, I figured, and I'm walking around my apartment, and I'm just completely talking to myself because I know I'm not going to see anyone. It's not like I have to even open my door and worry about, like, the neighbor seeing me talk to myself. They can just assume that I'm in here with someone else. And so I'm walking around having conversations because I just moved into a new place. So I'm like, where am I going to put this? Oh, God, now there's another box over there. I'm just giving myself a play-by-play of my own life because I have no more play-by-play in my life. All you're doing is creating writing surfaces all over your house, which is a really good thing. And as long as you're breaking down impetus for uh, tweets, let me read you another one because this one concerns me a little bit too. At 5.04 p.m. on the 18th of March, Ms. Sarah Todd tweeted the following, me, all caps, the world is ending. Also me, that all you got, Utah? Also me, I just want my mommy. Also me, we had a good run, question mark? Also me, nothing will break me. Me, run, period, away, period. Finally, this has been a story of my feelings over a five-minute period, March 18th, 2020. Again, Sarah, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm worried. I'm just going to let the tweets speak for themselves. There's some things going on in that apartment in, uh, in Utah. Uh, my first reaction is to having my own tweets read back to me. That's a great Twitter feed. You guys, you guys should go follow at NBA Sarah. There's great content to be had. I'm sorry, are you telling that to Marcus? If there's anybody on who knows what your Twitter feed is, they're like, what are you talking? That's like telling Steph Curry he should consider shooting the three. My second thought is 
March 18th was a crazy day. I don't know if you guys heard, but not only was I exposed to coronavirus within the last week, but I am in quarantine and at the center of the NBA's story of shutting down. And then yesterday morning, I'm awoken by a 5.7 magnitude earthquake in Utah. And so on top of all the other crises that are happening in the world, I woke up and thought, wow, everything is literally falling apart right now. <laughs> I didn't so, even know Utah was, had earthquakes. Why, Utah? I didn't know either. Jeez. I didn't know. And, you know, being from California, I'm used to some shakes every once in a while, but I wasn't expecting it because I didn't know that was a thing here. And and then the aftershocks all throughout the day. And so constantly I was like, you know, I'd have a lull and I'd be like, all right, everything's going to be fine. And then, like, I'd sneeze and be like, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I um, thought the only natural disasters they had in Utah were the Mormons. So, you know, this is an educational podcast for me. It is what it is. Uh, Marcus, Maxime, how are you boys doing? You know, I mean, we're, it's not like Sarah's the only one dealing with this. You guys okay? How's the quarantine treating you? I mean, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, we've been quarantined for a little over a week and a half here for my company sent us home. Um, and the Slack channels are live. And just I think the best take I've seen so far is people saying that nine months from now, there are going to be a lot of babies or a lot of divorces just because <laughs> of everybody working together. So it'll be interesting to see which way that goes. <laughs> I just texted Bram yesterday and told him I'm hearing a lot of people saying it's going to be a baby boom in nine months. But I'm expecting for like domestic homicide to have a spike here anytime now. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And thank you, Sarah, so much for not reading my text back, which would have been the perfect kind of answer to me reading your tweets. I'll, I'll admit to it. What I said is if I could bet all the money on an increased divorce rate, I would bet it right now. That has no reflection on my relationship. I feel like I should say, you know, I mean, it's just, just practical realities. Uh, we'll turn to basketball quickly. But honestly, the thing I liked about your tweet, Sarah, is that in some ways, that last one I read, it is matching my own thought process. 90% of, of the day, I'm either bored or thinking this sucks, but this too will pass and it is what it is. And then, I don't know, every 10% of my day, I'm thinking, oh my God, this is so terrible. Like, are we all going to die? What's going to happen? And I feel like we should all say right now, or I at least want to say, that if any of us out there are in fact panicking, if we feel alone, if we feel isolated, please remember you're not. We are all going through this together. And while this sucks, and while it's more boring than we want, and while it's going to last longer than we want, and while it's something that nobody thought we would ever have to get through in the course of our lives, here's a promise. We'll get through it. You know, this will end. And let me make it specific. Sarah, is this helping you at all? Like, is this landing in any way? Because I, I genuinely believe it. You know, we'll be fine, right? I think that's a little, <laughs> a little generalizingly optimistic. I think not, not everyone will be fine. But like, yes, we're going to get past this. But I think that what is most important is that everybody has to kind of take on the same mindset and remember like you're a part of this, whether or not you want to be. And so you need to help protect everyone because that's the only way we're going to get through this. It's like yep. everyone does their part. Also, you don't know this, but the CDC announced that if you listen to this podcast, you'll probably be fine. So that, that's why when I said everybody, that's why I was. I agree. 
I I think it's really important in these times to maintain a semblance of routine. Like when I, Sarah, when I heard you talking about kind of um, ambling around the house by yourself and granted you're moving into a new place. And I know that's pretty disruptive to a routine quarantine aside. um, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I've been doing is I get up and I brush my teeth every morning and put on my clothes. And then I just go and sit in my car for about an hour and periodically slam on the brakes and say, you to nobody in particular oh, because nice. that's my yeah. daily commute that's excellent <laughs> <laughs> do you actually move or just just keep the engine off and like no you know, no no, no. i'm sheltering in place in place <laughs> being the operative word <laughs> i'm sorry were were we talking about how i'm the one going crazy <laughs> and maxime is screaming at no one in his car <laughs> <laughs> nobody's around so i gotta scream at somebody <laughs> And this is a PG podcast. Otherwise, I'd be reading you his completely banana bullshit Twitter feed. I mean, you, you have no idea what this fellow is saying, man. And we would all lose our minds, but it leads to a perfect transition. Um, here's some questions about the quarantine I wanted to ask you guys. What's the most unexpected best form of entertainment that you guys have found so far? And to give you a minute to think, I'll go first. I've been watching – and so the NBA TV has been replaying a ton of Warrior games. And they've been playing a lot from the 17-18 season, the, se- the season with KD that they actually won a championship with. And it's been unbelievable for me. And I think it's because I've been locked in a season with people like Kai Bowman and Juan Descano and Mike Mulder for the last month. But watching these guys play, and I haven't memorized the games. I'm not sure how they're going to ultimately play out. So it's almost like I'm watching them live and, and having a new renewed appreciation for who the hell was on that team is so awesome. It's almost surreal watching KD in a, a Warriors jersey again, because I've been housing him so much since he left rooting for him pseudo uh while watching these replays has been awesome so if you're looking for things to do and you have nba tv pop it on because i I think you'll find it'll pass the time pretty well well even if you don't have nba tv nba league pass is free for everyone right now for the uh during the hiatus yeah so the nba has made nba league pass free if you can go back and watch all the games of this season, archived games, and there's condensed versions, or you can watch the full versions. And so, I mean, for anybody that's having like a little bit of a basketball itch and you're just missing it from your life, that's a really good thing that the NBA's done. So I was going to say, Steph went back and watched um, Clay Thompson's 60-point game and had a whole bunch of fun and was talking about it. So it's a good call out, Sarah. Um, if you have games that you want to watch, you want you know any headband Clay games or any other NBA games, it's a good way to watch them for free. And I should add this prerequisite. If you decide to do that, if you're watching a game, you have to cheer as if you've never seen it before. Like I'm talking like standing ovations, running around the house. Just, I mean, let it all out. Yeah, just have a little bit of joy for a minute. <laughs> I've been I've been thinking about, I want to float this idea by you guys. Um, both my parents are, are local, but we don't live together, so we're quarantining separately. Um, and they're divorced, so they are literally by themselves in their homes. What I'm thinking about doing, what do you think about this? Uh, I own a projector, so I would drive over to my parents' place, put my projector on the roof of my car. They would come out into their car, and I would, like, you know, hook them up with a speaker, and then we would, like, a drive-in movie-style watch. Because that's one of my favorite things to do with my mom is watch Warriors games. So we just sit and watch some, like, old-school Warriors games from the privacy of our own cars to maintain quarantine. What do you think? 
where are you projecting it onto? Just on like somebody else's garage. random house? Yeah, well, I would just pull up to her house. <laughs> I, she would pull her car out of the way, and then we would sit side by side in our cars, project the game onto the garage door, and that's it. I, I like the idea, although I think there might be a little bit of authority behind Sarah's maybe Maxime is going crazy too uh, take. I mean, that's just my no. immediate thought. No, no, no. Sitting in your car and screaming by yourself is one thing, but Maxine, that is a beautiful idea. If I knew somebody with a projector that was like, hey, come over and literally watch anything, and much more it'd be with like somebody that you love and watching somebody that's something that's nostalgic for you. That is an incredibly beautiful idea. You should 100% do that. You bastard, Sarah. I literally just backed you, <laughs> like tried to further your joke. And then you made it hella serious and made me seem like I hate families and spending time with parents. Listen, so that was just I'm up. sorry. I'm a very sweet, sentimental person. I, I guess not everyone can have those qualities, Bram. I thought it was a good idea. I literally was just trying to please you, Sarah. I was like, oh, what a sweet idea. But I want Sarah to be happy. And now I'm just getting on. Great. Nor normal day, then. <laughs> let me let me whisk us away with a different uh, quarantine question. Is 3 p.m. too early to start drinking? Is there like a specific time that's too early? How do we figure something like that out? This is an important question. There are there are no rules. We're on vacation drinking rules right now. <laughs> is it is it good? So you know how your phone will give you like random little notifications. Um, and one of the ones I get is from Vice News. And so I was literally, I was writing this question down, getting ready for today. And I was thinking it, you know, I'm drinking a little bit too early during the day. And my Vice News notification out of nowhere said, drinking a lot during isolation, you're not alone. Here's why that's dangerous. It's like, mother I just immediately turned off the notification. Like that's basically my it's solution like to we, this. So. It's not like we don't know that it's dangerous and like, <laughs> to become an alcoholic like we know that that's dangerous but like am i gonna do my drinking earlier in the day than i would with, like i'm not doing it after a game at like midnight or 1 a.m when i'm done working instead i'm doing it at like 11 a.m and just prompting a midday nap that's right you hear that vice notifications we don't need your stupid judgment we, we know when to drink <laughs> If you guys could only, literally, this is the only thing you could do for the remainder of the quarantine, however long that is, you can watch highlights, but it's only of one player. Who would that player be? I've been thinking about this a lot because you told me that this question was coming, and uh, I saw you tweet about it too. And it's really hard. I think I've narrowed it down to like two guys, I think two or three, because I want to watch someone. My favorite kind of player is like the really aggressive players back in the day that would get into fights during games. That's my favorite type of player and not the player, like not the hold me back kind, but the kind that was like totally willing to just throw punches in the middle of a game. Charles Oakley. And so, <laughs> right. So, and of that, he was, he was in the mix, but of that, I think that I've narrowed it down to, Either Bill Lambeer or Dennis Rodman or Larry Bird. God damn, Sarah, you are my favorite guest. What do you mean, Bill Lambeer? <laughs> you would watch Bill Lambeer highlights for the next three months? I need I to clarify what we're talking would. about. Are we, we're talking about watching the player, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what we're talking about. You said Bill Lambeer, Sarah? 
<laughs> Listen, I spend a lot of my time watching basketball, like an inordinate amount of time watching basketball. I also went back the other day and I was watching the 93 finals and I love watching Jordan play. And like, I could probably watch that every day, but like if I had to, if you were like, you're going to watch one player through the entirety of this quarantine, do you know how many times I've watched Michael Jordan games over the years? I've watched them already so many times. So I don't want to watch that repeatedly over the next few days because like, I already know that. But if you gave me like game reels of Bill Lambeer and I was able to just watch him like blatantly foul and elbow dudes in the gut and then punch him in the face and get into fights on the court, I would watch that. <laughs> I I love the idea of a young Sarah Todd somewhere watching that Jordan video come fly with me. And six, seven minutes in, you turn to whoever's video it was like, so is this dude going to elbow anybody or punch anybody in the walls or what? Like, I thought you said this was a highlight tape, dude. Like, I'm not in here just for stupid basket making. Um, I'll go second. I've also narrowed it down to two people. Uh, the first one is an obvious one. And I did tweet this out and a lot of people answered with this. Steph, right? And it's not just a selfish, uh, self-absorbed take. He is remarkably entertaining and was doing things with the ball that no one had ever seen before. But the other person I picked out, and this is a random name I haven't said for a while, Sean Kemp. Here's why. Not only was he explosive, not only did he have these super nasty dunks, but he came from an era where it was fine to be violent and disrespectful during your dunks. Uh, he on Alston. Yeah, I mean, it really was like the, the thing against uh, Alston Liston. Um, and I remember that as a Warrior fan. He, he not only puts him down on his back after a dunk, but gives him the finger guns like multiple times while going backwards <laughs> and just make Alston look even worse. <laughs> And there are so many things like that that I feel like if I had to pick, and you know, it's a Sophie's choice, but if I had to pick, I'm going Kemp and all of his F-U dunks throughout his career. You and Sarah are just making no sense right now. Sarah, <laughs> just, oh my God. I don't even know if I can stock your Twitter anymore, Sarah, after your Bill Lambier. Oh, you know you will. You of know course you will. And why don't you tell him that he hates families? I mean, that's what you oh told me. <laughs> Start taking shots at him. I mean, and Bram, you're going to be watching like 12 minutes, and then all of a sudden you're going to see that first Sean Kemp 12-foot elbow jump shot and be like, what did I do to myself? Apparently you don't <laughs> oh know my Sean God. Kemp is. Apparently you, you just don't remember the type of explosive athlete he was. Oh, I don't even know who you're going to say, but I know it's going to be stupid and wrong. Go ahead. Who do you got? Oh, it's <laughs> stupid and wrong and expected, but it's because it's the – Correct answer, Michael Jordan. For everything that Sarah yeah, said, why boring. you don't is because it's boring. But I literally have probably five hours and multiple DVDs that are put together, highlight reels for me already that just show the greatest player to play. You guys are going to be so bored after 20 minutes and I have hours of entertainment. I'm sorry. I fell asleep while you were talking. Who, who did you say? <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't follow you all the way through. I said, Joe Dumars. <laughs> well, that's much better. Cause I thought you said Jordan. Maxine, who do you got? If you say Muggsy Bugs, Maxine, I swear to God, I'm going to punch you in your face. Oh, do not man. say Muggsy I did actually consider that as a joke, but I have no interest in actually watching highlights of Muggsy Bugs. He's only valuable to me in a zombie apocalypse, which I feel like you didn't understand at all if you think that my take would be Muggsy Bugs. It's a terrible, it's a terrible take. Whose highlights do you watch? My goodness. All right, I've narrowed it down to two because evidently we're on a theme here. Marcus, you must have missed the memo. Um, 
And I mean, honorable mention to Steph because like that actually is a really great answer. But I've narrowed it down to Shaq. And the reason I say Shaq is because like he was right he was dominant like right when I was starting to be able to like process information as a individual and not just like a reflection of whatever my parents were saying. Um and and like I think he's still kind of underrated. Uh and he dominated the game in a way that we don't see anymore. Um and so it would be really really fun to watch the era of like true center basketball. Um, and peak Shaq performance. And just to be like, dude, what are you doing? Stop wasting your talent. Um, but I think I'm actually going to end up going with a current Warriors player, and that is Draymond. I, uh, I, you, you know, I'm still very ball-focused when I watch basketball, um, and so I don't get enough time to go back and watch him move off-ball and watch the way he directs offense and defense. Um, and I just I want to I want to revel in that a little bit more. Uh, and watch him orchestrate and just take notes on what it means to be a basketball genius. I thought you said balls focused at first there, which really threw me off. But now I uh, <laughs> I, under- I understand where you're coming from. Um, I'll let Marcus tell you that the Draymond thing is a bad idea and you won't get more than six or seven uh, minutes of highlights out oh, of it. I'm excited to hear I will just jump on the, Sh- the Shaquille O'Neal thing. I'd like to watch the highlights because Shaq was the only dude in any sport I can think of where during his rookie year, the sport realized their equipment had to be changed. <laughs> I mean, do you, like, like he came in and was just ripping down baskets left and right. And they literally were like, okay, well, this stanchion is just not working anymore. Like we we need to come up with something totally new. And I, you know, that just never happened. So I, I'll, I'll give you credit on that one. Yeah. I think Shaq is a good call. I would, that'd be a strong second choice. I, I agree. Draymond, you'd be bored and you'd oh, be asking to, to, for me to screen share my Jordan highlights. And I would say no. Um, but I will say one thing you guys aren't factored in and you still cannot watch my screen when this happens because I chose Jordan. That gives me exclusive access to the last dance, that 10 part documentary series that's going to oh, come out. No. And you guys don't get to watch it, and I will not tell you how phenomenal it is. You'll just be watching your Sean Kemp fadeaway jump shot hook shots. I'm not going to answer to your completely false reality, but I will use it to say this. ESPN or anybody who happens to be working for ESPN who might be uh, listening to this podcast, release the Jordan documentary. Why the hell would you have to wait? We are all home. You have an unbelievable target audience who wants to do nothing but take in as much content as they can. And you have 10 hours of entertainment. Release it. We're here. I'm for this. Let's make this happen. Um, but let me also uh, follow up on something I should have right from the beginning, Sarah, because you, as you already mentioned, were literally in the sports epicenter for the coronavirus. You were in OKC when the game was canceled after Rudy Gobert tested positive. Um, and so just generally speaking, how how was that experience? Was it surreal? Was it scary? I mean, how would you describe it? it was all of the above. It was, it was very weird. Just right from the beginning, we knew that something different was happening. We didn't know what that had to do with, though, because you know, once everybody kind of walked off the court, we were like, why are they going to the locker room? And we tried to get to the locker room, but they wouldn't let us in any of the tunnels, which was a, a weird thing already because we're all, as media members, we're all always allowed in those tunnels. Sure. And then we're back in our seats on press row and the PA announcer says, we're waiting for league confirmation to start the game. And I was like, 
I have never heard that in eight years of covering the NBA. And I'm asking reporters around me, have you ever heard that? And everyone's like, no, I don't even know what that means. Were you and worried? And I saw... Like when, a, when that happens, bit, was everybody... Then, yeah. I mean, everybody's a little like, uh, we don't really know what's going on. We're just kind of sitting there waiting. And then there was a tweet from an Oklahoma City TV reporter that law enforcement was coming to the building to help evacuate. And so my first thought wasn't anything to do with the coronavirus. I was thinking, oh, my God, is there a bomb threat? Oh, Jesus. And so at first I was like, oh, my God, like the cops are coming to evacuate everyone. Like, should should we be running? You know, like this is it was really scary at first. And then uh, once we got word that the game was canceled officially, we I made my way down into the you know tunnels and bowels of the arena and they wouldn't let us anywhere near the locker room and I started you know I'd already been kind of texting and calling sources and from the team or the league and trying to get information at first every, it was just radio silence which is another indication that something is strange and weird cuz usually at least someone will text back and say like hey I'll update you in a minute sure. but it was radio silence and then word started coming out um, we started hearing there has been a player that's tested positive for coronavirus. And so we knew it was somebody in the building and we didn't know exactly which team it was from. And then eventually the news came out that it was Rudy Gobert. And so, you know, while I have my journalist hat on and I'm going, you know, like get the information, write it down, you know, get the information to my editors. Um, then it very quickly became about like, okay, well, I've been around this guy every day for the last week. We're just coming off a four-game road trip, and, you know, we're around these guys all the time, and they're, you know, we're in little scrums, and they're speaking to us, you know, in very close proximity, and we're talking to them one-on-one at shoot-arounds or practices or before or after games, and, you know, they're sweating on our equipment, and it's it's incredible close proximity, and so – it turned from try to get the story to, am I safe? Should I be worried? Of course. And so then, um, I mean, it was, it was hours of just kind of confusion and not knowing what what was going to happen or no one was talking to me or the reporters at all about what was going to happen. And so there were, there were a couple, three hours there where I was, it was pretty emotional and weird and scary and stressful and, just like in darkness of confusion. And then word came through that the Oklahoma city health department was going to be testing the entire jazz traveling party, as well as the three reporters that travel and cover the team, myself included. And so ended up in the locker room with everyone else and got tested and sent back to my hotel room and told that I would get the results the next day at some time at some point. So then it was just a very sleepless night. How long did you have to wait before you got the results? It was actually a lot faster than I thought. When I talked to the epidemiologist from the Oklahoma State Department of Health before we left the arena, he said, you know, once we got the positive test, we put our lab on standby because we knew we'd have a lot of tests coming in because we knew that the traveling party would be big and we're trying to. We're, we're trying to limit this as much as we can. That's why you guys aren't allowed to leave. That's why we're telling you right now, you cannot commercially travel. Of course. And uh, they're like, but the lab's on standby and we'll be running the test through the night. They got the test, I think at like 1 a.m. And I got the news that my test was negative around 9.45 the next morning. Okay. And so you do not have, and I heard you had negative, you do not have coronavirus, yeah? 
do not have coronavirus, but they still wouldn't let us. They still still wouldn't let us travel because the incubation period of the virus is 14 days. And so even if you test negative, you can still become infected over that incubation mm. period. And so okay. they were like, you know, they ended up working with the like Utah state government to get us on the charter flight with the jazz. And so we flew back with the team the next day to Utah and they were like, you have to go into quarantine now because you can't be in contact with people for the next 14 days. And so I am currently on day eight of no contact with human life. <laughs> How's your Twitter feed? Has it gone crazy? At all? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. No, we know exactly what that's and, Some of my Twitter feed. Uh, you, you said something that I, I think is really important um, and I want to follow up on it, but also let me say that there's a lot of details that none of us can possibly know. For example, when Gobert had it, when he contracted it, um, whether or not you're still in a gestation period. But what you said was that you had a lot of interaction with Gobert in the days leading up to his positive test. Ballpark it for me. How many times do you think you saw him uh, in the week before he came back positive? One time, five times, what do you think? Okay. And, and what's the, something like that? What's the closest you got to him of the, in those 20, 30 times? Within you know a foot? Could you reach out and touch him? Yeah, within a foot. Okay. And here's why I'm saying that. My perception, I don't think I'm alone. A lot of our perception is that if we're within you know five feet, because the six feet is the social distancing number, if we're within five feet of somebody and just look at their direction, we're automatically going to get it. But if I'm listening to the details of you, you were within, you know, you were within one foot on 20 to 30 occasions, and at least so far you have not contracted it, which is a good detail to know. You know what I mean? I mean, if if all of us are freaking out about this, it, it, we at least need to see that it does not spread like wildfire in every single instance. Um, uh, do you? I mean, the test itself. You know, there's more unicorns, I feel like, than coronavirus tests. You know, what, what does that actually mean? When, when you went through the coronavirus test, what is that? What did they do? Like, what does that entail? Yeah, so it was um, two swabs, one down the throat, one up a nostril and into the sinus. Uh, oh. it's, a swab, it's a swab for 10 continuous seconds. And so one down the throat, that can be a little annoying. And then the one up the nostril... It feels like they're trying to tickle your brain, makes your eyes water a little bit, but it's not like it's painful. It's just uncomfortable, but we're talking about 20 full seconds. And so it was over very quickly. Are you, so hold on, let me hedge this. Um, so from what I've understood, I've been following your Twitter account. I've been following a lot of other jazz writers and the perception on Gobert touching the microphones, it wasn't that he was careless, is that it was a unifying gesture, that he was literally trying to kind of reach out and show everybody, I still feel connected to you reporters. I don't think that there should be this giant distance between us. And he reached out and touched it. And I say that because there's no indication Gobert's a bad person. He seems to be a remarkably good person. And all he was doing was joking around. So these are not shots at Rudy Gobert in any way, shape, or form. But are you pissy at him at all? You know, that, that you, do you feel like you had to go through this because of him? There's been allegations that he may or may not have been careless, you know, about this stuff. Do you have any lasting animosity? I have zero animosity. Even if I had tested positive or if I do eventually test positive, I'm going to have yeah. absolutely zero animosity to Rudy Gobert. And why? I think yeah. A, yeah, there's a few things about that. First of all, yes, he's an incredibly caring and nice person. There's not any time that he was going to maliciously be like, Mahaha, I'm going to give everybody coronavirus. Like that <laughs> that's not something that's happening, you know? And 
I think also what's important to remember is, like you said, there's a lot of like misinformation or just a lot of unknown about this virus. And I was fortunate enough to be in direct contact with CDC and Department of Public Health members and doctors because I went through this. And the information that I got from them was, yes, the virus can live on surfaces. And yes, that could potentially be a way that you could get something. But the way that this is most actively spread and most efficiently spread is through respiratory droplets. So when you cough or you sneeze and that goes on something and then that gets into your mouth and the, the virus has to get into your lung to actually develop. And so you have to be like breathing something in or ingesting something in. And so if Rudy Gobert had sneezed on all of our microphones and phones and recorders, that would have been completely different. But also the way the, another thing about this virus is that while asymptomatic people can transmit the virus to other people, again, that is not how it's most actively, efficiently or effectively spreading. It's most effectively spreading for people who are symptomatic. And yep. at the time when Rudy touched all of those microphones, that was before he ever showed any symptoms or even knew anything. And I think it's also important to remember who among us hasn't made a stupid joke. You know, yep. he well, wasn't me. the only, in- yeah, he wasn't the only NBA player. He wasn't the only regular person that made a bad joke or did something in bad taste. And like you said, it was the very first day that the NBA had placed like new media regulations because of the coronavirus. So this, this was a morning shoot around media availability. It wasn't a press conference and it was just in a room podium style because the NBA had said, we're going to be doing media this Hmm. way from now on to try to separate you guys. And he was the very first player that we talked to talk to. And so it was weird when he first came in and sat down, like everyone was looking around like, this is really strange. We're usually standing right next to you. And everybody felt weird. And so when he got up, you can see in that video, he gets up and he doesn't touch anything and like keeps his hands spread out. And what you don't see is that all of us in the room were like, oh, geez, like this thing. Because we were all so, a week ago, we were completely ignorant to everything else that we're doing in life right now. It was a completely different attitude about everything. And so we're feeling weird. We're kind of nervous laughing. He's feeling weird. And then he reaches over and touches everything. And like you said, it was like, I'm not afraid of you guys. You know, like because was your mic up there? Was one of your recorders on that table? Um, What was the reaction in the room? So, I mean, I've watched that video a hundred times. They did. So it wasn't there wasn't any like, oh, how dare you do that? I mean, everybody accepted it as a joke and they participated in it as a joke. Yeah. And the thing is, is that everybody that's pissed off about Rudy Gobert touching the mics is everybody that was not in that room. Every single person in that room is not angry, had no problem with it and has no ill will. And like, shouldn't that be the thing is that like, we know Rudy, we know he's not a bad guy. He wasn't doing anything. Maybe he was acting a little bit careless, but like none of us are mad. So like, why is everybody else piling on him? We get it. We get that it was a dumb joke to maybe make, but that's, so, that's it at best. My tweet, should he be known as Gobera virus from here on out is unfounded than you think, and maybe a little uh, pig at it. Yes, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank well, you I for mean, at least also, laughing like, on the back end. I mean, it's funny. Also, I stole it from Wes Goldberg to to be totally frank. If I'm, I mean, I never actually give anyone else credit. In fact, Maxime, just cut this part out. We don't have to give him credit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the thing is, it's like we don't know that. Well, actually, we know for sure that Rudy Gobert is not patient zero in America, and that's the way everyone's acting right now. And 
we don't even know if he's the first person on the jazz to have it. Donovan Mitchell tested positive too. And we don't know if Donovan gave it to Rudy, Rudy gave it to Donovan or the, yeah. or they both got it completely independent of each other because they were on a road trip in four different cities on eight different flights leading into that game. And so there's just no way to know where these guys got it. All right. Um, I am going to push us away from the coronavirus, although I was really anxious to hear about your experience there, and I, I appreciate you sharing it with us. Um, and I've got a segment, a brand new one I'm really fired up for, one I've basically created for you, Sarah, because I think um, your participation is going to make it golden. Before we get there, really fast off the court report. And what this is is an update. Um, and in case you don't remember it, uh, those of you who are listening, I'll use this as an excuse to bring Sarah up to speed. A while back when they were still playing games, Sarah, Maxime and I went to the Lakers-Warriors game at Chase. Uh, you may remember it was an ass-beating, but for the first half, it was a little bit close, and I, I didn't go there to talk but I ended up talking I got into this back and forth with a Lakers fan, and you know, it's, it's all copacetic at first, and then at one point, the Lakers fan uh, leans back, looks at me, and says, how many championships have we won? And I say, in the last decade, zero. There's a two-second pause, and then he says, this decade just started, genius, and I start sweating like you've never seen, <laughs> and I've been hell of upset, and I haven't come back with anything, and you know, it's just been awful. It's been absolutely awful, and we talked about it on the show. Here's my update. So since that podcast, a few uh, listeners reached out on the topic. Patreon supporter Powell Gottlieb sent me a CNN article called, quote, when does the decade begin and end anyway? And an Australian listener named Tony Gray shot me a great email. And the basic notion of both the article and the email is that the decade isn't over until the end of 2020. Here's a take from the CNN article, quote, the U.S. Naval Observatory, the agency that maintains the country's master clock, states that according to the astronomical dating system through which it measures time, the new decade will begin on January 1st, 2021. You hear that, Laker fan? F*** yourself. I got the Navy on my side, dude. So <laughs> unless you were looking at the U.S. Naval Observatory's clock, I don't want to hear sh from you. And Maxime, I know you were there and kind of embarrassed for me. Does this resurrect your opinion of me in your eyes, man, or, or what? Does this change anything? Hell yeah. I wish I had known this up front. <laughs> I wish I had brought the <laughs> Navy clock with me to the Laker game. That, like, at least I would have had something to say, you know? Uh, but with that in tow, let's turn to the new segment. And here Wait, is... I want to respond to that. Oh, no. I, I don't, I'm, I'm on top of the world. Are you going to knock me down? Go ahead. But I don't... This is dangerous for me. I just... I have one question... Can you tell me what your response to him was? Yes. You ready for it? Just repeat it. Yeah, just okay. repeat okay. what you said to him about yeah. the last decade. Okay, here it is. Yep, that was it. Nothing. Silence. <laughs> no, 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 no. Unless you not your not your response. Not not your response to his comeback. I know that you were embarrassed and like went inside of your turtle shell. What was your first thing? What did you say about the decade? What was your thing that you said to him? Uh, oh, that, and I've, I've thought this out I, I, so many times. So if I'm being honest, I think I said zero in the last decade. If I had said zero yeah, in so, this decade, it would have been okay. Yeah, but that ends the conversation. I doubt you would have said zero this decade. Nobody would have said that because you would have known what you were talking about. You said zero in the last decade, and it's not like you can predict the future, so you weren't going to say zero in the future decade. You were talking about what's happened the last 10 years. 
he wasn't, you win. I wish you would have stood up and been like, you're an idiot. I wish something too. I wish I had brought you and not Maxime to the game. Maxime didn't add anything. I'm just going to say, I mean, we haven't said anything <laughs> about panic. that, but he was just as silent as I was too. I mean, it was yeah. awful. People to both my left and right were thinking to themselves, you're such an idiot. And also, as long as we're exploring this, you know what word bothered me the most? Genius. That's the one that just crushed me. It did, like it really did. Like it reached into my soul and just crushed it. But See, I would have been ready. I would have been there for you. I would have been ready. I would have been like, who's the genius predicting the future? Fool, sit down. Boom. You would have been like Flavor Flav. You would have had the U.S. Naval Observatory clock on a chain around your <laughs> neck. Like, wow, why don't you read that, homie? Can you see what decade <laughs> it is it is? Exactly right, dude. All right. I, I take back trying to prevent you from participating in this segment. That was a mistake, and I should have just given you the mic. Uh, here is our new one. It is called misdemeanor tendencies, all right? And what it requires is a personal story for me to set up, and then I'll give you the uh, the segment itself. So personal story. We go way back in time. When I was about 12 years old, I went on a family vacation with my parents to a small island called Orcas Island. It's uh, off of Seattle, and it's hella small. I mean, think of like Leave it to Beaver kind of town. There's almost nothing to do there. And while I love it now at this age, just relaxing, as a 12-year-old, it was like a forced quarantine. You know, there was just nothing for me to do there. And the, the one thing that I would do on a consistent basis, we were there for about a couple of weeks, is I found this, uh, this fairly large hotel. And at the bottom floor of this large hotel, they had a small arcade where they had actual arcade machines. There's like seven or eight large video games that you'd use quarters to play. And one day I went down there. And again, you know, I'm only 12 years old. And there were some kids a little bit older than me. I'm going to say about 15, 16. And they had broken in to one of the, the arcade machines, but they weren't stealing the quarters. They were reaching in and using the quarters to play that game for free. Basically, it was an, you know, a, a never-ending uh, uh, game. And so I see this, and I feel like I had a decision, right? As a t I could have gone in and participated. I could have gone and told on them. I could have ignored it. There's all these things. And what I decided to do is I went in and I participated. I, I grabbed some of the quarters and I played right there and I never told my parents about it. And I really think that that shaped me as a person. I found out that day that I'm okay with like petty crime. You know, like I didn't go on and start <laughs> to rob banks, you know, and I, I've never like done any grand theft auto or like any like a uh, murder or, or any kind of physical crime at all. But, you know, I went to UC Santa Cruz. I was okay with occasionally smoking weed. I mean, just the, the misdemeanor things in life I have been okay with, which leads to the segment. What I want to do is I'm going to give you a series of warriors' names, and I want you to put them in the exact circumstance I was. They walk into that arcade as a younger, as a younger kid. They see older kids stealing from the machine. What would they do in that circumstance? Does it make sense? This feels like a terrible idea. <laughs> It's going to be amazing. We won't we won't say it as a kid. We'll say it in, in their uh, you know as an adult, as we know their personality now. And the first name I have for all of us is Steph Curry. Steph comes in, sees somebody doing a misdemeanor, or in this instance, stealing quarters from a machine. What does he do? And to give you time to think, I'll go first on this one. I think he immediately leaves. I don't think he tells the hotel about it. He's not that kind of a person. He's not going to get the kids in trouble at all. But I think he goes home and he prays for their souls because he thinks they could be doing better. That's how I read Steph's participation in this. What do you guys think? 
All right. Then I think that Steph walks over to them. And first of all, when you first laid out the like whole idea of this segment, I thought you said you were going to give me random names of lawyers, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is going to get this is going to this is going to get weird. (laughs) This is going to get weird and like racist or something really fast. So this is a very bad idea." And also, I just want to note that the lawyer on the podcast said, "I'm okay with petty crime." All right, moving forward. Thank God that's I why think, you said because your response at first made me feel like this is a terrible segment, and I immediately started sweating again as if someone had just called <laughs> me a genius for the second time. So I'm glad it's because of a misnomer. Now you know. All right, it's Steph. No. Steph Curry in this yeah, circumstance. Okay. What does he do? I think that he walks over to the kids and he tries to explain to them that there's like a better way. Like he tries to monologue to them that they can choose a better way. And he's like, listen, guys, I've got some quarters. We don't have to steal these. We can use my quarter. He tries to like offer his own quarters to help the children. Marcus, Maxine, what do you guys got? So this is Steph Curry wants jumped into a fish tank in a restaurant. So I think you have to Koi keep pond. perspective of who. Koi pond. Koi pond. There you go. Um, but I think Steph goes up there and he plays the video game and beats them all because he's super competitive. And then as he walks away, he tells them, don't do that again. And when he gets to the front desk, he drops a $20 bill and says, this is for something you don't know about. <laughs> Classy. <laughs> Maxime? Yeah, so um, just as a precursor, I actually found it comforting that you let us all know that you haven't committed any murders. And I think that says a lot about where we are, (laughs) that I felt like I needed to be comforted for that. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Thanks for pointing that out. I think if I'm reading between the lines, you're not sure whether or not I'd killed somebody before I told you I had not. Am, am I hearing you right? That's right. And I, yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting. Clearly, you felt the need to um, elucidate that for all of us. That's great. I hate your projector idea. I hate it, and I hope you never get to do it. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll send you a tweet when I do. Um, I, I, so what I think we're not factoring into all of this is that Steph has kids of his own, and I think that completely changes the dynamic because he's going to see those kids acting in ways that he wouldn't want his own children to act, and I think he goes into dad mode, walks up to them, takes advantage of his stature, knowing that they're going to know who he is, and just like really quickly diffuses the situation and has them apologize um, and become fine, upstanding citizens for the rest of their lives. I, I I love I'm so in love with this segment uh, so much so I'm just going to push this to another name here's our next guy Clay Thompson Sarah why don't you start us off <laughs> this is such a different answer exactly uh, uh, yeah Clay definitely goes and uh he he asked them if they tried to open any of the other games yet, and so while they're popping quarters in that one, he's trying to figure out the best way to get in the other one, but he can't figure it out, and so he's like, oh, no, I, I don't really know, how, and like gets the other guys to go to that, and then he ends up going back to the first game because they're paying attention to how to get into the second one, and he just okay. plays on it. I love this, and I agree with it, but here's where I disagree. 
I think he walks into the arcade and never even notices what they're doing. I don't even think he sees that it's open. I don't like, you know, like, and I don't even think he notices that there's other people in there. I think he goes in, fires off like a quick $5 at whatever machine he wanted to, and then just bounces. And if he ever had found out about it, he would have done exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think he's oblivious to it happening. I don't think he picks up on it for one second. I think he goes in there, has fun. I think he buys everybody some pizza and plays some video games and then leaves and goes and talks about scaffolding somewhere. Like he even yeah. talks to the people. Like he actually talks to them while they're doing it, but he doesn't notice what they're doing. You know, exactly. like he says something like, can you believe how expensive video games are these days? And then like goes back to his own machine. <laughs> These are cool. You just get, get to use the same quarter over and over. That's cool. All right. <laughs> wow. That's magic. <laughs> I got no notes. Perfect. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> I'll give us another player. Draymond Green. Marcus, start us this one. I think Draymond takes all the quarters, unplugs the video machine, and doesn't say anything and just walks away to teach a, a very hard lesson. Sarah, do you agree? Yeah, I think I think what would we would need to know, or what I'm just going to project on the story. I'm going to act like I know because this is all hypothetical, anyways. So he walks in, he sees, and he's like, "Hey, they're trying. They're they got all these f-ing quarters, and that's a game that I have a high score on. Not today, <laughs> children." And so exactly, he goes over, unplugs the games, and he like barks at him or something, and makes him go away because it's not a, it's not about them getting it for free or anything, he's worried that his high score is going to be beaten. I think I think he'd be down to participate, but I think he'd go in and open up another machine so it was his idea. Like he pretends like he didn't even see them and then just does it on his own off to the side because that's who the hell he is and he likes to be right. Maxime, close us out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're on the right track. I think he, he kicks up one of the kids in the balls when nobody else is looking. <laughs> then starts pointing at that kid and laughing to get all of the other kids to pay attention to that, and then that's when he swoops in and steals the rest himself. And then LeBron calls the hotel and tells on Draymond and everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Keep the mic, Maxime, and start us with a new player, Andre. I know he's not on the team anymore, but I still want your take. What does he do? Oh, my gosh. Okay, Andre walks in, realizes what's happening calls up the uh the manual for how to how for like how the game actually works on Google reads through the entire manual and then says no you're not doing it in, in an efficient way and shows them how to be more efficient at hacking the machine Sarah who do you have on Andre or what do you have on Andre See a thing that I've noticed about Andre especially while I've been in quarantine and I've been monitoring Twitter feeds of people <laughs> is that he's like maybe one of the most pessimistic people about humanity. And I think that he walks in and he sees what's happening. And then instead of even participating on anything, he starts to tweet about the demise of our children and how it's the parents (laughs) fault that they end up like this. I, I think he goes in, he lectures them on the racial implications of stealing, how disgusted he is on what's happening, and then the second they leave, he starts doing it immediately. <laughs> nice. I'll close it out. I think this um, arcade is actually located somewhere in Memphis, and he doesn't show up at all. 
<laughs> and he tells everybody who will listen, I will never go to that arcade. It is not good enough for me. Um, I had but two the whole names time, left. The whole time he was the whole time he was wearing a t-shirt from the arcade. Exactly. <laughs> oh man, I love this segment. I have two uh, two names left, but I think we're only going to be able to do one of them. My two names are Steve Kerr and Andrew Wiggins. But the reason I think we can only do one of them is because I don't feel like anybody knows anything about Andrew Wiggins. I feel like they're all just guests. So I'll start with Kerr, and then if you guys have one for Wiggins, we can do it. Um, I'll go first on Kerr. I feel like Kerr sees it. I feel like he wouldn't care at all. You know, he's not going to tell on anybody. He doesn't have any like moral implications on it. But I don't think he participates either. I think he quietly goes to maybe the other side, plays whatever game he was there to pay, and then leaves and never thinks about it again. Yeah, I think that he probably figures out where the children are from and then starts a petition to help the help those children because he <laughs> figures out that they're what's the reason that they don't have quarters to play video games do they also need food on the table he's going he's going full neighborhood and community outreach because of what he sees i think he somehow finds a way to make sure that the kids are more efficient with their free video game play. He like turns it into like a motion offense kind of thing and figures out how to spread the kids out to play more games for free throughout. And it's just a beautiful play of kids playing free video games throughout the entire arcade. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Like he, maybe he even slips the owner a bunch of money to like buy out the whole arcade for the day and then like puts on some jams that everybody's on the same page with and then they all just get to play all the video games for free and figure out how to hack all of them. Let me make this I, I'm going to drop Wiggins um, because I feel like I said they, we'd all just be guessing anyways. And I'm going to make it about us. All right. So you guys know what the hell I would do. I did it. I went in. I participated. Never told my parents. You know, I had the time of my life. I've been looking for that arcade ever since. But I've got guesses on you guys, but I'm not sure. So let's take each of us in turn, all right? And let's start with Maxime. Maxime, hold off. We're gonna, I want to hear your real opinion. But before you give it, let's take a couple guesses. And in case you guys are feeling awkward about it, I'll go first. I feel like, Maxime, you wouldn't want to do it. I think you would notice it. I think you'd see it going down. I think it would make you feel uncomfortable. But I also think that you'd be worried about those people's opinions. So you would go in, do it with them, and feel sh- about it that's my guess uh sarah marcus drop your guess and then we'll hear from maxine what would actually happen oh man i i wish i knew maxine better right now i (laughs) you can push if you don't feel qualified to answer you can push on it no i think that i think that what maxine does is that he's like a casual observer like he'll he's there and he he's not going to tell them to stop but he's not necessarily going to participate. And like, if the guys are playing well on the arcade game, he's going to cheer them on. And then when they're like, Oh, do you want to go? Then he might be like, Oh, look at the time. Oh, my mom just called. I got to go. That's exactly right. (laughs) There'd be like some kind of an excuse so that he had uh, a way to justify getting out of there. MT, where are you at? I think, um, Muggsy Bogues peer pressures Maxime into playing the games, even though he doesn't really want to. So he partakes. Maxime, Marcus, what's the reveal? just because Muggsy Bugs is short doesn't mean he's also a child. 
That's a ridiculous answer. Don't even don't even justify Marcus's <laughs> terrible Muggsy Bucks tank with some kind of response. But I, I want to know what would you do? Oh man, I gotta say, Sarah, you, you act like you don't know me, but I felt I felt so seen. That was so spot on. <laughs> I'm, I'm t- I had to. I took some really deep thought. I really thought about. It. I was like, okay, everything that I know about him, and I really thought about it. Yeah. What I, what I loved about the back and forth was me telling you, Sarah. I mean, you can push if you don't feel like you know enough about it. And you go, oh no, I'm gonna give the guess. <laughs> no, yeah, I would for sure be torn between. Um, a, a, a what I guess is actually a mediocre com- uh, moral compass, but that I feel like is a really strong moral compass, and the burning desire to be liked and understood <laughs> by my peer group. And there it is. I, all I wanted to do is be liked. I couldn't find my moral compass for shit. It was mediocre <laughs> or otherwise. So that is what it is. Let's turn this uh, nasty eye to Mr. Taylor. Um, I'll go first for Marcus. I feel like Marcus would be a lot like Kerr, not with like all the altruistic stuff, but I think he would see them. I think that he'd notice it, not necessarily care, not participate, just play his own dollars worth of quarters and then get out of there. And it, it wouldn't come back up in his mind again. Uh, Sarah, give, give us that watchful eye on MT. Yeah. Based on what I know about Marcus and my interactions with him, uh, he goes in, he sees what's happening but the kids don't see him. And so he goes outside and he watches through a window and just <laughs> observes everything. And then he talks about it later as if he was there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's awesome. I think that, I think that it's, it's even more of a targeted strike. He goes in, he figures out who's the leader of the group. He stalks that person's social media, figures out what makes them tick <laughs> then gets on their good side and turns the whole crew against them and then he works it so that he gets all of the prizes um, based on convincing that kid that he's in charge. MT, are you in fact a very strange sociopath who watches things from afar? That's the reveal. <laughs> getting a little weird as little child Mark is doing all this. Uh, no, actually, you know what? I've been in a similar situation as you, Bram. It happened at um the ice house which was a restaurant that doesn't exist anymore in montclair california there is a video game there street fighter and the one in the back corner you put the quarter in it would go through and yeah it would fall in it would fall to the part where the quarter would come back but the game would start and i played that game many times with the single quarter (laughs) i played that exact game with a single quarter and when it happened it was on the other side of my orcas experience and anybody who would listen which was nobody because all they wanted to do was play i was telling them i've seen this before i've seen this before you can actually open this up so it is what it is uh i'm a little disappointed that you actually would participate i wanted to be right on that uh that leaves sarah boys um and I, only because they uh, they made you seem so strange, Marcus. I'm going to let you go first. What's your take on Sarah? Thank you. Um, I think Sarah would participate. I think she'd be right in there, you know, like rubbing elbows and playing games. But I think she would uh, be tweeting about it and complaining about it the entire time. 
I'll go second. I think she just participates. Period. That's it. I feel like she's in. It's not a big deal. She's like, oh, free video games? Absolutely. Maybe makes friends with the people for right then. But when the when the experience is over, she's not going to see these people again. And she just moves on with her life. And it's a uh, it's a blip on the radar. Maxine. Yeah, it's. I think it's very close, and you're probably right. Definitely participates, but then I think it's like 51% likely that it's what you said, and then 49% likely that it's just like full existential panic the entire time. There's an inner monologue <laughs> that's like, oh no, oh no, oh no, this is bad. Sarah, what's the truth? And it plays out on Twitter. She tweets, I'm at the game right now. It's for free. It's amazing, but I don't know how I feel about it. And you get at least 10 tweets about it. And then Marcus is like, yes! Uh, Finally! The thing is, the thing is, is that behind the tattoos and the facial piercings and everything that you see on the outside, I am an incredible rule follower. And, I mean, I'm afraid to jaywalk as an adult. And so I hate breaking the rules and I have been faced with these dilemmas throughout my entire life where a friend group or people that I come upon are doing something bad and I get out of there as soon as possible. I'm like, nope, I don't want anything to do it. Yeah, you guys are having fun and everything, but like I I don't feel right and I just get really anxious and I leave. That is awesome. I would not have guessed that at all, at all, at all. Uh, yeah. I feel like I've learned something about you, Miss Todd. That's uh, that's a very revealing fact. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. Oh, also, I have like the only one answer about Wiggins, if you want it. Oh, sure. Please. Yeah, he walks in the arcade. All of the guys see him, and they're like, oh, we heard you were good at arcade games. And then he's like, no, I'm not, and he leaves. <laughs> I won't touch that. No notes for me either. Okay, now I have a big list of lawyers' names I'd like to go through. Like you guys are just so back. No. It's going to be no. of course not. Huge fun, you guys. True every week. Certainly true this isolated week. You want to reach out to us? We can be hit up at warriorshuddle gmail dot com. Our Twitter account is at warriors huddle. Far more importantly, Sarah, you were awesome. Not surprisingly, I know that those listening would love to have more Sarah Todd in their lives. How do they get it? You can follow me on all the socials at NBA Sarah, and you can read any of my jazz or NBA coverage, whatever that means, over the next few months at Deseret.com. Boom. Huge fun. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Try to keep your sense of humor as we go through this, and hopefully we'll see you next week. Good, good.